Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And again, I say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And especially in these days when we're all under lockdown at home, it's so important that we maintain our joy in the Lord and stay with Jesus and not get agitated because we see in the world, you know, people have very little patience. There's a lot of people on the streets and they're just angry and agitated and uh, anger and agitated uh, and agitation are not good things because this important thing is that remember the scripture Isaiah 26 verse 3 it says thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee and beloved I know things are tough and whichever angle you look at it's tough but Here's the assurance we have from the Lord that if we keep on trusting in the Lord, even in dry seasons, uh, if we if we if we'll be like a tree planted by the river of water, so that even in dry seasons our root will not fail us, and we shall continue to bear fruit, and that should be the story of our lives. Praise God. Life is on this earth is not always easy, but when we have faith and we walk close to Jesus. Even in dry seasons, even if there's a battle, we will survive and we will ultimately win because we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Praise God. So we are talking about, uh, you know, we're still in the uh, teachings on, um, uh, on the realities of redemption. We've been talking about healing and now we are uh, talking about uh, suffering. What does the Bible say about suffering? But before I go into that, let me tell you a little story like I've been telling you in every each one of our sessions, a, a, you know, a story from the field. And this is from Sweden. I was doing a, a, a meeting in a Pentecostal church in, in, on the west coast of the southern part of Sweden in the province of Halland. And uh, I want to tell you the, the story of what happened there was that in this church, um, uh, when I had finished preaching, gave the call for people, you know, I did the altar call, people got saved. And I mean, the church was packed out. It wasn't a huge church, but it was packed out. There's several hundred people there. And then I called people for prayer and people came and lined up. And uh, there was this lady, I think she was about 55 years of age. Uh, and she, uh, she came and stood there and she was smiling. She looked perfectly normal. She was a Danish lady, had been a Christian for many years. So I asked her, I said, sister, what is it that we should pray for? She said, uh, brother Christopher, I don't know, but I've been a Christian for like, 20, 25 years, but I've never had any joy in my life. And I don't know what's wrong with me. And I can't sleep at night. I have sleepless nights and I have nightmares. And she kept on describing her condition. So she said, can you pray for me? I said, sure. So I really didn't know what to pray for. So, uh, and when that happens, I normally just pray in the spirit. So I lay my hands on her head and I begin to just pray in other tongues. And I did this and after about 30 seconds, Suddenly she opened her eyes and she had this wild look on her eyes and she began to shake like this. And then she, she, she put out her hands like this, her fingernails tried to scratch my face and she screamed. It was a blood curdling scream and she began to scream and she lunged at me and I kind of stepped back and she began to scream and scream and like she was trying to attack me. Well, there were 
there were two things that happened. The first thing was that there were like uh, six were uh, there were six grown men. Two of them were my friends, uh, close friends of mine, and four other men. They came running to take a hold of this woman, and these guys were big. Uh, uh, one of them was like I think six foot two. He weighed like two hundred fifty pounds. You know, these guys were built like trucks. You know, and <laughs> this little woman, this little Danish lady, I literally saw her throw them, they went flying through the air. I mean, they went flying. And, uh, and that was the first thing that happened. And the second thing that happened, the first four rows just emptied in a second and everybody ran to the back. And this woman was screaming and I, I began to cast the devil out of her. I said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And she began to run after me and I was scared and I ran, you know, we kind of, she chased me around the pulpit three or four times and then she sat in the front, uh, uh, on the steps in front of the pulpit and she was doing like this. She was like a wild animal. She had her claws out like here and her eyes were big and she was making this growling animal sounds and, and, and I didn't, the whole church was frightened and I was, look, I was a, I was a young preacher. I was, I think I was like 32, 33 years old and I'd never had anything like this and I was scared. And uh, anyway, so uh, I kind of walked up the aisle to the, you know, to uh, kind of, you know, a few yards away and I was praying. I was saying, Lord, what do I do here? What do I do here? And that's a wise thing to do. When you don't know what to do, ask Jesus. And then the Lord said to me, just go back to her. I said, Lord, are you kidding? I can't go back to her. I'm scared. The Lord said, no, just go back to her. So I walked back to her and she still sat there glaring at me, you know, with her claws out and she was going like this. And I stood like, like, you know, 10 feet away from her. And I just looked at her and prayed in tongues. As I prayed in tongues, suddenly I began to see differentiate between her and the devil. And, and I realized that no, no, she is a person who's deeply loved by God and the devil is tormenting her and she and the devil are not the same person. And as soon as that happened, my heart was filled with such a love and compassion for her. And as soon as the love of God filled my heart, all the fear left me. And I heard this voice in my head saying, perfect love casts out all fear. So I knew that the love of God had cast out all fear and suddenly I was not afraid of her anymore and I walked closer to her. She still was doing her thing, growling and um, uh, I, I knew her name. I don't know how I knew, but I knew her name. I said, Elsa, stand up. I had never met this lady before, but I knew her name. I said, Elsa, stand up and she stood up. I said, come here and she came to me and put her, her nails right next to my face. I said, come here, Elsa. And I just held her and just, I hugged her, I think maybe 45 seconds or one minute or something like that. And then I just let her go. And the moment I let her go, she was completely free. She smiled and she began to praise God and speak in tongues and it was lovely. And um, anyway, she, she came back the next day to, I was preaching in another town about um, 45 minutes away and she came there 
and she, she, she testified there. She said, I've had this thing tormenting me for 20, 25 years, and I didn't know what it was, but last night, this thing just left me, and, and I was completely free, and for the first time in all these years, I've slept a full night because I was so happy. I just, I was praising God. I praised God the whole night. I couldn't, you know, and, and, and then I went to sleep, and I slept sweet, and, and she was so excited. And so my point, I want to tell you, listen, when I hugged that little girl, that lady, I mean, a little girl, I hugged her and I felt the love of God flowing from me to her and, uh, and the demons left her. I learned one thing. There's more than one way to cast out devils and to minister to people. You don't always have to shout and scream, but let the love of God consume you. Be consumed by the love of God uh, towards people who are sick, people who are sinners, people who are possessed or oppressed by the devil. Believe me, that is the greatest um, power there is because the devil, he doesn't know how to respond when the love of God comes through. When the love of God comes through, demons have to flee. Hallelujah. Anyway, so we were talking about suffering and... Uh, we were talking about, you know, the different kinds of suffering. We talked about uh, the different kinds of suffering. And one was we suffer because we live in a fallen world. Then I talked about people suffer because of a lack of knowledge, because they don't understand the full extent of what Christ has done for them, that he has actually borne their, all their diseases and infirmities and given them total victory. And if these things are not preached to them and... Um, you know, most Christians know that Jesus can heal, but they don't, they're not told that it is your covenant right that Jesus purchased with his own blood uh, when they're in that situation. So, uh, so even though they know that, they are taught that, well, it is there, but it's not for you and it's not for today. So lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge of what Jesus has done, it holds people in bondage and prevents them from receiving what God has for them. The third reason we suffer is we suffer because of our own fault, you know, things we do, you know. And the fourth reason people suffer is because of the sin of others. Other people sin and they suffer. And we have seen that uh, sometimes we saw that the children of Israel, Joshua and Caleb, had to wander through the desert for 40 years, not because of their sin, but because their people sinned and they had to endure that. And the fifth is uh, suffering for the sake of the gospel. That's also a kind of suffering when we suffer for the sake of the gospel. And uh, I, I suffered that way because I, when I got saved uh, and God called me to preach the gospel, I was preaching the gospel. I was arrested several times and then I was put into prison. I was tortured. I was in prison for slightly less than a year. Then when I came out, they wanted to execute me. They said I was arrested again because I had a Bible and I was witnessing. And they told me uh, the main reason was because I had a Bible. And they said, you keep on this thing with Christianity. And my own father, who was an army general, he said to me that you'll be executed. We'll cut your head off. That's what he said. And so I escaped. When I escaped, my own father 
put out a, a shoot to kill order because there was martial law in the country and he put out a shoot to kill order against me and I had to escape leaving everything uh, with 75 cents in my pocket and then finally along the way God provided and I ended up in in Western Europe and I ended up in Turkey I ended up in Belgium and Holland and then I finally ended up in Sweden where I got political asylum so I had to suffer lose everything but that was for the sake of the gospel and so uh, that is the only kind of suffering that a Christian has to endure. A Christian should not suffer these other kinds of suffering, but a Christian, uh, we are called to suffer together with Jesus. And Philippians 1.29 says, For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So we are called not just to believe in Jesus, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, I remember years ago, there's this teaching going around in a, a very well-known faith preacher in, in the U.S. I won't mention his name. He, I heard him say uh, that, uh, well, if the Apostle Paul knew what we know today, he wouldn't have to suffer what we suffer. Now, that, that kind of stuff is nonsense. I think people in America, we live so comfortable, we live so cushy that somebody on TV says something against Christianity and we think there's a huge wave of suffering or, 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 or you know, the government says, well, you can't hold services in church because we don't allow more than 10 people to gather. And suddenly we talk about, you know, people are talking about, oh, this is persecution of the church. Listen, you don't know what persecution is all about because at this moment, as I speak, thousands of people are suffering. They're languishing in prisons and people are dying every day for the testimony of Christ. And that is something we are called to endure. We are called to endure that kind of suffering because we are called not only to believe in Jesus, but also Jesus, but also to suffer for his sake. Then 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. So just like the sufferings of Christ abound in us, that means they come upon us. We enter into the sufferings of Christ, but in the same way, our comfort of the Holy Spirit, the, the consolation that Christ gives us also abounds in us. So um, anyway, now the sufferings of Christ are in two categories. Uh, the first category uh, if you look, just look at the sufferings of Christ that I said we are uh, supposed to partake of the suffering of Christ. The sufferings of Christ are in two categories. One is his substitutionary suffering. And that is that when he was whipped, he was bruised, he was beaten and he was nailed to the cross. And through that suffering, he bore our sins. He bore our mental diseases and infirmities and uh, and he, he, he bore our, uh, our sins upon his own self. So he bore our sins, he bore our diseases, and he bore our mental infirmities. He says, surely he has borne our diseases and carried our pains. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, the chastisement of our peace, that is the mental part, was upon him. And by his stripes we have been healed. So now, these are the sufferings that Jesus entered into for us as our substitute and he was the perfect and total substitute and because he bore our sins our diseases and our mental infirmities as our substitute 
we do not have to bear those things because Jesus has already done it for us totally and 100%. So we are not called to bear any kind of disease. We are not called to bear any of the consequences of sin. And we are not called to bear any kind of mental infirmity because Jesus Christ has already, already borne those things for us. But what are his sufferings that we do have to share? And that is how Jesus Christ gave up his, up his own ambitions and laid down his life for others. And uh, so Jesus, who, you know, who's the son of God, he sat on the throne of glory and he left everything and came to this world and became one of us and laid down his life to save sinners. That is what the kind of suffering that we are asked to enter into, the sufferings of Christ that we are called to enter into. That is when God calls us to lay down our own lives, our own comforts, our own ambitions so that others may have eternal life. I put it this way as one of my mentors, George Werber said years ago, he says, the the Bible says that all things are ours, but sometimes God can call us to lay down and to sacrifice good things so that others may have that which is far more, far better, the excellency, which is the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we must put our, uh, we, we, sorry, we must put the eternal destiny of sinners above our own wishes and desires and ambitions and our own comforts. Let me repeat that. We must put the eternal destiny of sinners as being more important than our desires and our ambitions and what we want and our comforts. We must do that. And that is entering into the sufferings of Christ. Right now, I have friends suffering in the, uh, who are suffering for Jesus in the missions field. They left good, cushy, wealthy lifestyles living in America and living in Europe. They have highly educated, well, you know, lived good lives, had everything, good people. And yet God called them to leave everything. And they left everything and went to the missions field and uh, and are serving God faithfully today. I have several friends like that who have done that. And that is when you do that, you lay down your own life, your own ambitions, your own comforts to to bring the message of salvation to other people. That is what I call entering into the sufferings of Christ. And that's one thing that God has called us to do. So let me read to you from Philippians chapter 2, 5, 11. And this shows the journey that Jesus made. And I call it his journey from the throne to the cross and then back to the throne again. That long journey that he made. And that is the journey that we are called to enter into. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He said in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we should have the same mind as this word describes. <coughs> Sorry, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means that Jesus is God and he was equal to the Father. 
And then he says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That this Jesus who sat on the throne of glory in heaven, he took off his robe of divine glory and took upon himself a robe of flesh made out of the dust of the earth and became one of us. And he was born into a main into a manger where they kept animals uh, in Bethlehem in the village of Bethlehem and he was born into the house of Joseph and Mary who were so poor that uh, the Bible said that if a family had a firstborn they had to offer a lamb they were required to offer a lamb as a sacrifice at the temple uh, when he, he was dedicated but the Bible says if the family is too poor to afford a lamb they could they could uh, sacrifice two doves and that's all that Joseph and Mary could afford when the son of God, the king of heaven was born into their home. So Jesus was born into a poor working class home and he says he, 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 see, he made himself of no reputation. The king of glory came to this earth and worked as an ordinary carpenter. And he was a, he was a simple poor man. He says, and he took upon himself, took upon him the form of a servant. Instead of being a master, he became a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men. He became an ordinary man. And it says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And becoming a man, he humbled himself even more. And he was obedient to the Father unto death, even the, even the death of the cross. As if that wasn't enough that he left his glory in heaven and came to this earth. But when the Father told him he had to go to the cross, he went to the cross. And because of that, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now you see when we are talking about suffering that is the kind of suffering we are called to enter into that we enter into the sufferings of Christ and 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 we obey the calling of God to preach the gospel and there are people who whose death becomes their testimony because the word martyr actually means a witness. It's not just, just a man dying, but a man dying in such a way that it becomes a testimony. And sometimes God, uh, you know, the martyr's crown is the greatest reward, but there are times when God, uh, most of us, we, we are not blessed with a martyr's crown, but we are called to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus and if he calls you to do that please do that with all your heart because that is where your reward is. Peter asked the Lord he said Lord we have left everything to follow you and what what do we get and Jesus said whosoever have left has left everything to follow me uh, for me and for the sake of the kingdom whosoever has left everything for me and for the sake of the kingdom, if you have left houses or lands or mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, you shall receive a hundredfold houses, lands, mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters. And he says, with persecutions, with persecution. That's a part of the package, with persecutions and 
than eternal life. So that is the reward that, that God offers to us to follow him and no matter what it costs. And I had to go through this uh, and uh, you know, when, when, when I went to prison uh, and I remember I was in prison and one day, uh, you know, I had a talk with Jesus. I said, Lord, uh, many people of my age, I was only 21. I spent my 20, I got saved at 21. My 22nd birthday was in prison uh, preaching the gospel. And I said, Lord, uh, young people make a lot of mistakes. I have made many mistakes, but most mistakes you can rectify and correct them and, you know, and go on in life. But some mistakes, you know, you cannot rectify. I said that, Lord, I have lost everything, lost my family, lost my inheritance, lost my, came from a wealthy family. I lost everything. And uh, I said that, and I've lost my name, my reputation, and I'm in prison and, uh, and uh, I've lost everything. Now, I want to know because if this is one of my foolish mistakes, this whole thing about following Jesus is one of my foolish mistakes. I really made the biggest mistake of all, lost everything. But if Jesus is truly the son of God, if he is truly risen from the dead and he is who the Bible says he is, then I have not lost, but I have won everything because I have won heaven and I have gained everything. And I said, Lord, I need to know. I need to know. Is this in vain or is this, is this real? Because, uh, you know, I had put everything into it. But at that moment, I somehow, you know, like when John the Baptist sent his people to Jesus, are you the one? He just wanted to make sure one last time. And that was a similar situation. Here I've lost everything and they want to execute me, kill me. Why have I lost everything? Was it worth it? And the moment I said that, suddenly the presence and the glory of God came into that prison cell. I cannot describe it to you, but it was uh, like a... Uh, maybe some kind of haze, you know, or something like that, filled the room. And I remember I was sitting on my bed and my bed began to shake. And, uh, and, and the glory of God was so strong, it went right through my bones, through my body. And I was shaking and I just wept and wept and wept. And I heard these words. It was from the Gospel of Matthew. I later found out. It says, I was in prison and you came to me. And that's when I understood that Jesus had visited me in that dark prison cell to show me that he was alive and he was the same yesterday. And no matter what sacrifice he called me to make, it was worth it all. And so at that moment, I was willing to die because they had said to me that unless you, you stop this Jesus business, we are going to kill you. And that moment I said, fine, kill me because I have nothing to lose. I have everything to gain. And uh, I really, really wanted to be a martyr. And I saw in the scripture, in the book of Acts, he said how they, after they were beaten, he said they, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for this, for the sake of the name of Jesus. But it wasn't God's, it wasn't my destiny to die because soon I was out of prison. Well, about seven, eight months later, I was out of prison and then I was uh, out preaching the gospel. I still had to endure more things. But you know, 
those are the things that make us who we are. It is when we follow the call of God and we embrace the sufferings of Christ. And Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. Beloved, I'm not talking about a life where you glide through easy chairs and through with ease. What I'm talking about is a life where you have victory over sin, victory over disease, victory over the works of darkness. But at the same time, you're willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus and and pay whatever price it takes to fulfill the call of God on your life. Beloved, that is the way we should live. And I ask you, for prayers for me that I may have the grace to follow Jesus and continue to walk with him until the end. And let us all have this mindset to carry the cross and to follow Jesus. Well, let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who can hear my voice right now. I ask you to touch them and bless them. Father, impart faith into their hearts and grace that they may follow you with all their hearts. And for me also, Father, that we may, I too, and my family too, may follow you with all our hearts. And Lord, you said you'd bless our food and our water and turn every sickness away from us. We thank you for your blessings upon us. Thank you for long life and healing and salvation in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. And we'll talk to you again. God bless you. Bye.